The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him, oh, sorry, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go, Washed in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. This is the word of God. Good morning, downtown church. It is great to be here um, worshiping this morning. And before we get started in this passage, let me pray real quick. Uh, Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for how you speak to us today. And I pray today that you will be honored and that we will learn more about how we can follow you. Uh, I pray in your son's name. Amen. I think we, we all have an experience of someone that we followed that we quickly learned we should not have been following that person. There are a lot of characteristics that get overvalued. We see someone who has personal charisma, and we're just quickly drawn to that person. And we think, this is who we should follow. And we have so many examples of how that has turned out horribly, where someone we should never have been following. Now, think about the flip side of that. If we're overvaluing certain characteristics and following the wrong people, then this also means that we're undervaluing other characteristics and not following some people who we should be following. I remember when my family, we moved, we lived overseas for, for five years, we went to this country, and I remember people telling me, a lot of Senegalese church pastors, telling me about this one individual who was so influential in their lives, and then it surprised me when I found out later on that this guy was horrible at learning other languages. He would go into a hardware store, there would be two people, him and the owner, and he would say, he wants to buy a hammer. And the guy's looking around, what do you mean he wants to, buy? who else is here? He wants to buy a hammer. This guy was so bad at language, he couldn't differentiate half the time between I want to buy a hammer, he wants to buy a hammer, she wants to buy a hammer. That He was horrible at learning languages, and yet I was shocked how many people told me that this guy was someone that they followed and that they looked up to. 
because he was humble, he was willing to learn, and he persevered. He stuck it out. He was willing to stay there. And I was so thankful to get that example of them not undervaluing those characteristics of humility and perseverance, but correctly identifying who they should follow. The passage this morning helps us to look at this question of who should we follow, and are there certain characteristics that we have undervalued? Are there certain things that we have missed that we need to be drawn to? And so this morning, we're going to look at a story of a man who received his sight, a man who was born blind, and Jesus heals him. And as we look at this, I want us to keep in mind how the gospel writer John is not random in how he's telling these stories, right? We all have a friend who whenever they tell a story five minutes in, you have no idea if they're about to wrap it up, if they're halfway through or just getting started. Some people just keep going and you're like, why did you include all those details? That is not John. He has this story at this particular moment in the Gospel of John for a very specific reason, and it's about more than just telling about a cool thing that happened to this guy who was born blind. If we think about what John has been doing from chapter 1, he has been revealing who is Jesus. Jesus is the guy who shows up at the wedding and makes the best wine ever. Jesus is the guy who's able to go into the temple, the place of worship, and he has authority there. Jesus is the guy who knows intimate details about other people, and yet they're not uh, afraid of him. He is able to heal people who cannot walk. He is able to take just a few loaves and fishes and feed thousands of people. John has been telling this story of this. This is who Jesus is. And he has also been telling the same story of people constantly looking at Jesus, seeing all of this, and walking away, turning to go somewhere different, not choosing to follow Jesus. People who came who were fed and were amazed at how Jesus fed thousands of people from a few loaves and fishes, and yet chose to not follow him. And in this section, Jesus has been teaching at a major religious week-long celebration where Jesus has declared himself to be the light of the world. There was this ceremony Artes preached, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, about the one part of the ceremony, there was these four huge that would be lit up in the temple. And people were to remember that a long time ago, they as a people were wandering through the wilderness, and the way that they knew where, where to go was that Jesus was their light. He would be their light. He would show the path, and they were to remember that that is who God was. And here we see Jesus saying, he is the light of the world, and the first thing we see is people rejecting it. People saying, I do not want Jesus as light of the world. And chapter 8 ends with this statement that they wanted to kill Jesus, but Jesus hid. I don't think that's an unintentional word there. They could not see Jesus. This section is all about sight. It's all about seeing and who is going to see Jesus. And so we come to this. And I'm, I'm struck by the disciples having just spent a week celebrating, praising Jesus. They must have been on this spiritual high. And what do they do when they walk out of the temple? Let's have an academic theoretical conversation about this dude's uh, situation. I, I don't know if you can relate. Sometimes I, f I feel like I am sometimes insensitive and hear about something. And I, let's get about this. This guy, who sinned? 
right? He, he, he's born blind. Clearly, somebody sinned, either this guy or his parents. And this is what the disciples are talking about. And so when we approach this passage, I think we have to ask the question, what is this man's need? There's this man who was born blind. What is his true need? We could look at it and say, partially, it's, it's sight. That would really help him. That is a, definitely something that made his life difficult. I would say that there's something more significant for this man than just not being able to see. There's a, a book I'm reading, Daniel Harris recommended on disability, and one of the, the ideas that keeps coming out in the book, which I still haven't finished it yet, is that one of the challenges for people who have a physical disability isn't just the physical disability itself, but that people around have a hard time imagining or envisioning a way that they contribute. And that that can be what hurts more. Think about what this man had experienced. He either encountered people who just dropped some money and just kept on going, or would stand in front of him, not talk to him, but talk about him in front of him. Can you imagine how that would feel? Someone is talking about you in front of you. This man lacked a place in society. His problem was not that he could not see, but that he was not seen. His problem was not that he could not see, but that he was not seen. And when we think about Jesus has been proclaiming himself the light of the world, part of this is scary. Part of Jesus as the light of the world is frightening because we, we think if a light gets turned on me, there's some things that will be revealed that I do not want to be revealed, and that can be scary. But I think one of the things that we see Jesus doing as he is proclaiming himself of the, as the light of the world, it's not just that he can see the, the bad things about who we are and what we have done. Yes, Jesus can see that. But being the light of the world also means that he is able to look at us and see us and see what we are going through. He is able to see the difficulty that we are experiencing. And so one of the things that makes Jesus someone that we need to follow is that Jesus sees us. He sees us in those difficult situations. And I think this passage gives us two reasons why Jesus is someone that we should follow as light of the world and why we should realize that he is able to see us and to see what we are going through, whatever pain or suffering that we have. I think one reason that, again, it's, it's not highlighted in this chapter, but it has been what John has been talking about for several chapters. Jesus can see our pain because he has experienced it himself. He has experienced to think about how he has had his own family reject him. He has had a group of disciples who are frustrating and frequently do not get what he's talking about and miss the point. Jesus has had people literally plotting to kill him. This happened just the chapter before. And ultimately, Jesus will be killed. He will be crucified. Jesus is familiar with pain. And I think one of the things that we all recognize whenever we are going through something difficult, it can be so beneficial to have someone sit down next to us who is familiar with our pain. 
That is one thing I struggle so much whenever I, I'm trying to help someone who is going through something and I'm thinking, I'm trying my best to empathize. I'm trying my best to sit with you and to see what you're going through. But I really don't know. I really don't know what you're going through. And I'm trying to empathize. Jesus can empathize and see us, see us in our pain in a way that so many of us cannot. He endured that. And I think another couple things that we see from this passage where Jesus states that he is able to, to come to us and to be with us in our pain is notice some of the things in this passage. If we look at, at verse 3, uh, so after the disciples asked, who sinned? Was it this man? Was it his parents? Clearly somebody sinned. And Jesus responds, no, neither. It wasn't this man. It wasn't his parents. The, his difficulty is not because of his personal choices. Uh, this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is once again reiterating this point that he is the light of the world. So why should we be excited and willing to follow Jesus whenever we are going through something difficult? Number one, he sees us. Number two, he can actually do something about it. Jesus can actually do something about it. I remember, uh, I think it was a year or two ago, I can't, I can't remember exactly, there was a, there was a week where, where um, my wife and I, we had had a couple people come to our house that we had been able to help. They were going through different challenges, and yeah, this is, this is what we think we could, you could do. We, I, I was feeling good about myself. I felt like I was able to help, help them. And then Hillary came to me and said, you know, Wayne, I'm, uh, she th was teaching fifth grade. She said, I've got this student, and this is the challenge that I'm going through. And I remember thinking, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to go to another teacher who has some clue of how to respond to this and ask them. Because I, I had no idea. No concept. I, okay, these other people, they, they, I have had conversations. I felt like I was able to respond with a competent, helpful answer. She wanted to know what to do in her classroom, and I was stumped. I'm like, I got nothing for you. No idea what you should do. You need to talk to somebody else. And one of the things when Jesus is emphasizing he is the light of the world, he is saying, not just do I see and understand and feel the difficulty you're going through, but I can do something about it. And Jesus emphasizes this again. Whenever we look at Jesus spitting in the ground and making mud, uh, if, if you are in our house, you will recognize that we like to quote movies and TV references and there's a certain group that gets quoted quite a bit, you know, Dumb and Dumber and uh, Princess Bride and uh, uh, Andy Griffith Show. I'm a country boy from North Carolina, so that one gets thrown in there a lot. And with John, his playlist was slightly different. It was mainly the Old Testament. And so John is very familiar with the Old Testament, and he's throwing these allusions in left and right. And, and so for most people reading this, when they hear Jesus knelt down and took some dirt and did something with it. What does that bring to mind? Somebody taking, kneeling down, picking up some dirt and doing something with it. Creation, the creation of humans. John is telling this story and Jesus is putting 
actions that we can look at and see that reminds us what Jesus said just a chapter ago, that he is God. Not only can he empathize with us, but he can take that pain and do something with it. We should follow Jesus because he sees the pain, empathizes with us, and can give us hope. This is more so many times I can, even in instances when I can empathize with somebody, I often don't know the solution or don't have the power to change anything. And it is a frustrating feeling to, to want to be able to step in but not be able to do something. Jesus is that person that we need to follow. And one of the characteristics that I think we, we need to appreciate is that Jesus sees us. And yet, that's not the whole story. In fact, Jesus has been saying, I am the light of the world for a couple chapters now, and we've realized a lot of people haven't gotten it. A lot of people have seen Jesus do incredible things. They've heard incredible teaching, but they've walked away and said, no, nah, I'm good. I want to do something else. And so this raises the question, when Jesus heals this man, what is he going to do? Is he going to follow Jesus or is he going to be like the people who received the food, the thousands of people who got that great meal? Is he going to be, you know what? I'm good now. I wanted my, my sight restored. I'm good. And, and it's helpful to remember that when we read this passage, there's nothing to suggest that this man knew a whole lot about who Jesus was beforehand. In fact, he did not come running to Jesus saying, oh, I know who you are. Heal me. Jesus came to him. Jesus saw him first. And this man could have easily thought, listen, I appreciate that I have my sight, but that was only part of my issue. The larger issue was that people around me did not know how to include me. And so I appreciate that you have healed my sight, but it kind of seems like following you might create more problems than it's worth. Maybe it's better for me to just take this and take a step back and, and, and to go a different way. And so we're wondering, how is this man going to respond? And this is where I think John is doing something and where we have to remember what John is developing. John is not just showing us, telling us a, a story about an individual who received sight, but John is trying to find somebody who is an example. Who should we imitate? And this gets back to the question that I began with. Who are the people we should be following that maybe we don't follow? I think this man demonstrates someone that we should follow, and I think that is what John is doing in this passage. He is lifting up this individual as an example of someone who comes to Jesus as the light of the world, someone who, who truly follows and, and recognizes who Jesus is. And, and in order to appreciate the difficulty of, of what this man is doing and what John is developing, I want to ask you a question. Do you like for things to be brought into the light? I think that can be a difficult question if we think about it, because we often want to know, well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about bringing into light the hypocrisy of people who disagree with me? Yes. 
I am all for that. Let me pull up a chair, beverage, and bag of chips because I'm going to enjoy this. Or are we talking about people that we really like and now their hypocrisy or maybe even our hypocrisy is brought into the light? And then we're thinking, well, we need context. We need context. So let's slow down and make sure we have context. We all have a somewhat uncomfortable relationship with Jesus as the light. We want Jesus to be a flashlight that we can turn on and off when we want and point it where we want it. And that is not Jesus. Jesus is the sun. It's shining bright. And you don't get to point it where, it go, where you want it, and you don't get to turn it off and on. And this man gets it. And what I appreciate this about the Gospel of John is he gets it slowly, actually. We're going to see a progression. To begin with, they ask him, how are you able to see? And his response is, there's this guy named Jesus. We, we don't see him. Hey, the Son of God healed me, and you need to fall down and worship him. He's initially just saying, there's this guy named Jesus, and he, he you know, spread mud on my eyes, told me to go wash. I went and washed, and I could see this man is demonstrating what it means to come to Jesus as the light. And John is gracious in, in choosing somebody who comes to the light slowly. And we're going to see this next week. There's actually a progression in how this man comes to eventually worship Jesus. But right now in the passage this week, he, he healed me. I, I don't know what to tell you, but, but he healed me. That's what he is able to say. This man comes to Jesus and accepts him truly as the light. Far too often, when we think of Jesus as the light, we love the idea of being seen. I think we can all relate to that. We, we love the miracles. We love the, the incredible things that Jesus, where he works in our lives. But this man realizes that I cannot just accept that part of Jesus. Jesus is calling me to more. And, and I think it's important that the way he responds also connects with this first point of where Jesus has explained that uh, God is able to take our pain and suffering and do something incredible with it. God is able to take our pain and suffering and do something incredible with it. Why is it that so many people had heard about Jesus as the light of the world and which meant that they had limitations and they needed to accept the fact that Jesus, that they needed him as more than someone just providing them with food, but that their limitations meant they needed him as their guide. They needed him to shine light on the path. This man, I think, because of his difficulty with not having sight, he understood the idea that he had limitations. That was not a difficult concept for him to grasp. And what John is trying to show is that we all have limitations and we all need to see Jesus as the light of the world. We all need to recognize that. We are all in that predicament. And many times, we only see it, though, through going through something difficult. Uh, I remember in our, in our community group a couple weeks ago, 
we were on a retreat talking through different aspects of our lives. And I shared about how uh, a time in my life when God helped me to see how I had made my career an idol. And too much of my identity was wrapped up in that. And when certain things did not go the way that I wanted them, it devastated me. And I remember a period in my life where I was just breaking down in tears easily. And, and uh, someone asked, how, how, what, what helped you get through that? What helped you to, to see that? And I had to look back and realize the only self-awareness that I developed in that area of my life was out of necessity. None of it was because I made an intentional choice to go down this path, and then I realized, oh, that's an idol in my life. Actually, it was decisions that other people made and situations that I had no control over that put me in this situation, and I was forced to deal with it. And so often, that's where we find ourselves, in a difficult situation, and we have to ask ourselves, are we going to follow the example of this man born blind? and accept that Jesus is the light of the world. And so we've seen so far, first of all, Jesus sees us. Jesus sees us. Next of all, this man who we would not have anticipated had we lived in this setting, he shows us how to see Jesus. And finally, we see something more. After Jesus heals this man, he goes and tells him to wash in this pool named Salome. Again, John's not just throwing in irrelevant details. Why did Jesus tell him to go to that pool? There's nothing in the Old Testament law that says, by the way, this is the procedure for after you get uh, healed from blindness, this is where you go to get your eyes washed. There was nothing that said that. Jesus sends him to the pool of Siloam. Well, why? John tells us that that means sent. Okay, that's great. What does that mean? Why, why, why send him to a pool that means sent? If you go back a couple chapters and you keep reading in John, there is this language that occurs over and over and over and over in John, and it is, the Father sent me. Jesus is constantly using this language. Jesus is talking about his mission to, to redeem people, to save people, and he constantly talks about how the Father sent him. And when we get to the end of John, we see this language of uh, Jesus in John 17, John 20 says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Jesus is sending people out, and when we think about who is it that Jesus sends out, Jesus is so often not making the mistake we make of undervaluing certain people. He is not judging people based off of the characteristics that we often use to determine someone's usefulness. Usefulness. Jesus is, is looking at it differently and saying, I'm not interested in someone's charisma or this ability or that ability. I want to know, do they have faith? Do they trust that I am the light of the world? And if they are, they are part of God's kingdom, and they are sent out to be in the same mission as Jesus. And this is what is astounding in the, in the, in the gospel of John. And on this point, I, I will say, I, uh, I, and I think many of us love these stories of somebody who is an unexpected hero, right? We love movies, we love documentaries, where somebody is is used in a very prominent way, and we thought, wow, we would not have expected that. 
I, in this past year, remember uh, at some point my son heard someone talk about Muggsy Bogues. I love basketball. And I'm like, oh, this is great. So let's, get, let's pull up YouTube, and we're going to watch some Muggsy Bogues highlights. Muggsy Bogues, if you don't know, guy five foot three, played NBA basketball. Incredible. I love watching his highlights. And, and so many times you hear this, and you think, see, even someone incredibly short can make it to the NBA. And me, as a somewhat of a cynic, I'm thinking, okay, sure, in like 70 years, one guy made it. And someone might look at me, oh, you could have played in the NBA. You're fine. Yeah, sure. Like there's, you know, maybe six guys like my size that played. Uh, like sometimes we can point to somebody who's such an incredibly rare exception and say, see, they did it. And I'm thinking, well, come on now. But when we look at John's gospel, is this man who was not highly valued in society, is he an exception? No. Look at throughout who Jesus is using. In this situation, we have the man born blind who was in a difficult situation that wasn't his own fault. You know what? Jesus also includes people like the Samaritan woman who she was in a difficult situation, and some of it was her fault. Jesus is constantly, look at his disciples. These were not the people that you would have naturally gone to and said, I want to start this worldwide movement. Those are the people that I'm going to work with. Jesus is constantly surprising us and choosing people that we would not expect. And the reason is, is he's not looking for people who have the specific abilities or the specific positions of authority and power that he needs. He's looking for people who have faith. And so this week, as we continue to reflect on this, I invite you, I invite all of us to follow the example of this man who said, I know that I have limitations and I am coming to Jesus, and I am going to follow him as the light of the world. Uh, and when, for us, for, for a closing thought, when I think of what is one of the most undervalued traits that we have today in a leader, I think it is someone who is willing to tell me something I don't like. I would suggest that all of us are willing to follow just about anybody if they're telling us what we want to hear. If they're telling us what we want to hear, it doesn't matter who they are. You know, they can be Republican, Democrat, uh, you know, American, what, whatever. It doesn't matter. If they're saying what I want to hear, sure, I'll follow them. But one of the things that I would invite us to do is to take that step that this man did, saying, okay, Jesus is coming, saying he's the light of the world. And that means a lot. Some of it I love. I love the idea of someone being able to see me and being able to see what I'm going through that's, that's painful and difficult. Some of it I'm a little bit fearful of. Jesus might shine the light on something that I don't, I don't like the light being shown there. I don't want that to come into the light. But I would invite us to, to imitate this man and to recognize that we do have people who we have permitted to shine a light, even on the difficult things in our life, even on our flaws. And those are typically people 
who we know love us. I have had good friends tell me difficult things, and I accept it because I'm not wondering, are you trying to tear me down or are you trying to build me up? I know that you're telling me this hard truth because you are building me up. And so this week, I invite you to look at Jesus as someone like that, someone who you can trust. He is the light of the world, and I would invite all of us to consider this week, how can we be like this blind man, this man born blind who was healed, and testify to others about what Jesus has done for us? Father, we are grateful for your word, and we thank you for this example. Will you please give us faith to follow you? Uh, we pray in your son's name. Amen. All right, let's uh, lift our hands up and receive the blessing of God through his word. Dear friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, friends. Thank you.